It's Talking Travel on 2 and you RFM with Sally Lucas. And Sally, we're looking at Port Douglas at the moment. Disappointed I didn't get there yeah, last well. month, but I was supposed to. So I thought if I talk about it, it might make me feel better. Just might bring back some good memories. Yeah, like we've had some wonderful <laughs> memories up there. We've been going up there since our son was, you know, um, well, under 12 anyway. I think oh, he might have been two or three the first time we went there, and he's 31 now. So we've been going up there for many years, and yep. it is quite a beautiful part of Queensland. Um, and, of course, we can at the moment still travel to Queensland, so... It's nice to be able to talk about somewhere we actually can go to. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it was established in the late 1870s and it's been it's had many incarnations in its life to date. Like it's been a gold rush port, sugar export, a fishing village. But then in the late 70s, tourism developers began to realise like the potential of this beautiful long beach called Four Mile Beach. And they always say it's where the rainforest meets the sea. And it literally does. You've got this lush rainforest meets the beach. So you can do this wonderful walk along Four Mile Beach of a morning or you know, sunset, sunrise, whatever. And it's, it's one of the popular gorgeous. spots, One Mile, isn't it? Four Mile, yeah. Not Four Mile. Yeah. Four Mile Beach, yeah. One, one, mile. one Mile's yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, as I said, Mother Nature's been really kind to the region with placing two natural wonders there. Of course, the Great Barrier Reef, which is the size of the whole of the Japanese island group, if you stretched it from the North Queensland down to Bundaberg. Um, and you've got the, Dra- the Daintree Rainforest, where the first cycad palm is, was ever born or grown. It's, it was the oldest form of tree or cycad in the world. Right. And it's in, you know, we have it. So this is, this is something quite amazing because we are quite an ancient, um, you know, ancient country, land. an ancient land. So there's a myriad of excursions and things you can do there. One of the ones, and I love the name for this company, I've done it a couple of times, Poseidon Adventures. Yep. Of course, you always think of the movie with the ship when it turned upside down rather than the, the god. The, <laughs> the young, god Poseidon, yeah. The god Poseidon. But this is uh, a purpose-built um, boat that was built specifically. It goes faster than any other boats. It was designed to take 90 passengers, but they only take 60. But, of course, now they might be even taking less. But, I mean, that when it's under normal conditions, they have a dive master on board. They have a marine biologist. You get the most incredible information on screens showing you everything on the way out. You get a chance to actually swim with minke whales when it's their season. Oh, that's amazing. And they're one of the only vessels licensed to let you swim with the minke whales. And because they can get quicker, of course, it's a long way to get out to the reef. A lot of people don't realise that. Like if you're in Cairns, you've still to go up beyond Port Douglas to get to the Great Barrier Reef. So if you're staying in Port Douglas, you're saving an extra hour and a half, like on the road, just yep. to get up to Port Douglas to get out there. They do have those big vessels go out like Quicksilver, which are, you know take a, a lot of people. But again, I prefer less. Less people is best as far as I'm concerned. Less is more is a popular phrase as well. Yes, <laughs> it is, isn't it? So if you're a qualified diver, you can obviously dive. If you're not, they can do an introductory dive. You can snorkel. They have noodles. They have wetsuits. Um, you know, they have the most beautiful food on board. You're out for the whole day. Um, and they're, again, they're one of the only licensed vessels that can take you to about 25 different reefs, to bommies, to holes. So you get this wonderful experience of really getting out to some parts of the reef that haven't been spoilt yet, right, or you know, yep. have bleaching of coral, etc. So it really is quite fantastic. Um, the town itself has just got a real buzz about it. Um, it's, it's a little peninsula, so you've got the ocean on one side, the other side you've got the river. Um, so they've got wonderful, um, like a little yacht club right on the river, and the sunsets there... Oh, I've taken some of the most amazing sunset photos, just stunning. 
lots of world-class restaurants. The old days, it was a bit more hippiesville, but now you've got actually classy restaurants as well as your cafe and pub lifestyle as yep. well. Perfect. Terrific local markets every Sunday near the little church called St Mary's of the Sea, which is this quaint little church where people get married. It's gorgeous. And the markets are quite genuine, you know, genuine handcraft from the area from people that have grown stuff, you know, made stuff. It's not crap. It's really it's good quality markets. Proper stuff from people from the area. Yeah. And then like the drive itself, like when you're flying into Cairns, hire a car if that's what you're doing, which is what we usually do. That 110 kilometre drive, particularly once you get past Palm Cove, the last half of it's sort of, it's just stunning. And you've got all these little beaches you can pop off and, you know, have a walk along and there'd be, you could be the yep. only people there along the way, you know, so it's quite beautiful. But then you can go to Kuranda, where you can do the Sky Rail up to Kuranda, which is a fantastic little town as well. Or you can hire a car and go into the Atherton Tablelands. Um, you've got Lake Berene and Lake Eacham, which are volcanic lakes, which are beautiful lakes. Myriad of waterfalls, some fantastic hiking, walking trails, some bird life that's endemic to only that part of Australia. Mariba, one of the inland towns, has got all the coffee plantations, so you can do coffee tastings and whatnot. Then when you go further north from Port Douglas, of course, you've got the Daintree Forest and the Daintree River, where you can do the, your crocodile cruises, and um, which is quite amazing. Some of these beasts are up to five metres long. It's just... Oh. Yeah. Um, and if you want to drive further, you can go all the way up to Cooktown, of course, as well. Yeah. But that's about another three-hour drive if you want to do that. So, And you can do it inland on the Mulligan Highway, or you can actually go the coastal route, but you've got to remember about 32 kilometres called the Bloomfield Track is still dirt. Right. Yeah. So you would only do that if conditions were suitable, like if it was dry. But if you're towing a caravan or something like that, you'd obviously take the inland route yeah. to do it. So, look, that's just, you know... I haven't told you everything, but I think that should be enough to get you sort of started it's, to see that Port Douglas has well, a lot. It, why is it pricked up? It's, 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 there seems to be something for everyone there as well. It is. It's got so much there. Like You can't swim, obviously, with the stingers at certain times of the year, which is mainly in the wet season. Yep. You're not going to go swimming in the rivers anyway, let's face it. But then you've got, they've got this beautiful bird park there as well. We can go and have breakfast with the birds. Oh, brilliant. And it's just brilliant. But they've got other native animals there as well and this incredible collection of owls because I love owls. They're one of my favourite birds. But all sorts of creatures there, which are just fantastic. So it's a wonderful wildlife park and kids love it, as do adults though too. I mean, it's just wonderful. So you can do that. Golf courses, you've got anything from a five-star hotel like the Sheraton Mirage, you know, down to backpackers or you've got apartments, which we usually stay in, you know, self-contained apartments so you can do your own thing or wander out for a meal or whatever you want to do. Um, you can get a bus from Cairns Airport up there if you don't want to hire a car, obviously. And there's plenty of day tours you can book on whilst you're there. And they run a little bus. So if you're staying at one of the resorts a little bit further out of town, there's a little local bus does a shuttle in and oh, out okay. of town yeah. as well. So, yeah, look, there's just so much to do up there. So if you haven't been, put it on your bucket list. Talking about Port Douglas before, but doing something a bit closer to home now in Lord Howe Island, the beautiful Lord Howe Island. The stunningly beautiful Lord Howe Island. Now, it's not open yet, but is supposed to be open 3rd August. But as you can imagine, um, Greg, of course, things are changing on a daily basis, yep. opening and closing dates of states and territories. It could will, change quite easily. Could change as well, because being an island, you can imagine the last thing they would want is with it? only a small community. Well, tell me, what did you say before? It, well, it only has 400 guests at any one time, but I can't think what the population is. But again, it, it's not... It's not large, yep. and they don't have a major hospital or anything like that, so you don't have the equipment. So the last thing, same with Norfolk yeah. Island, really, to be quite honest, even though it's a little bit bigger, they've got the same problem because anything for any major medical uh, you know, that you need, even having a bub, you've got to be flown back to the mainland. Yep. 
So these are, these islands obviously will not open if they feel they're going to be at risk. Yep. But look, it can be on your bucket list for next year. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be this year. But at least if you know what's out there, you can start planning. Exactly. Oh, it's probably better to plan well in advance anyway. So. Well, I always suggest that to people. The more you plan your holiday, the more you'll get out of it. Yep. Don't just come in and sit down and you know expect the travel agent to tell you what to do. We'll guide you. And wing it all in half an hour. <laughs> yeah, but we want you to really have your input and do your research and then we'll help you or guide you where you need to research depending on, you know, what your holiday is or what type of holiday traveller you are. So that's, you know, what travel agents basically do. We try and work out, you know, when you've got a client like anyone, whether it's a doctor or a dentist or whatever, and you get a regular client, you get to know them personally and know what they like. What and, they like. Yep. And your first visit's always the hardest because you don't know each other and you've got to you know, get the banter yeah, going yeah, yeah. and just try and figure out, you know, where they fit in. Um, and what sort of style of accommodation they want, how much money they want to spend. Are they adventurous? Do they just like resort holidays? You know, so... Yeah, do they like getting out of battle? Yeah, yeah. so it's it's a, it's a process when we sort of see our clients, <laughs> but it's a good process. But anyway, back to Lord Howe. It's just one of, to me, it's one of the most beautiful islands in the world. It's due east of Port Macquarie, but you fly there from Sydney. Um, and it's only a dash eight because the way it was volcanically in its day... When they blew out, the island blew out, it was only left with this tiny little strip of land in the middle with uh, with mountains each end. So the strip is only long enough to take a dash eight. Oh, okay. So no jets can land there, so you have limited you know, capability of how many people can land on the island at any one time. And Qantas Link is the flies there at the moment. There has been discussions that they want to extend it out into the bay, but the residents aren't happy about that because they feel that's going to affect the marine life. I'd be a bit nervous if I was a passenger on the plane as well. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are because they think, oh, this small plane. <laughs> Don't worry, I've seen it actually have to turn back because they only can carry so much fuel on a Dash 8 and if the weather and the winds pick up, they don't think it's safe to land. They'll they'll turn around. Oh, okay, right. Okay. They, they'll turn around and go back. They always make sure they've got enough fuel. Obviously, that if they need to return and go back to Sydney, or alternatively, they can always land at Port Macquarie because yep, there's, okay. there's an airport there as well. So don't panic too much about that. <laughs> but as I said, it is. But they, you know, there's discussions because eventually, so you know, we've been told that Qantas Link may not keep the Dash Eights like a lot of their they're an older style of aircraft. So if they don't. Who's going to fly to the island? And that's why a lot of the other residents say, well, we're going to have to extend the runway because our main source of income is tourism. Yep. Not that they want it to have more people on the island, but they need to get be able to take a, a larger aircraft, even if they limit how many people are on that aircraft, because the Dash 8 will eventually be, disappear. Right. Can you helicopter out there? It's a long way to helicopter. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, talking about it, it's got the most abundant marine life and crystal clear waters. And because it was once volcanic, it's one of the southernmost reefs in the world. So the water is warm all year round. Oh, beautiful. You can swim in it all year round and it's it's always above 20. And you go to a beach called Ned's Beach and you can hand feed the fish and have them swimming all around your legs. These huge fish, it's just amazing. Yep. So the snorkeling and the diving is, is spectacular. The waters are oh, pristine like just crystal clear you just blink and it's the clarity of the water is unbelievable so crystal clear blue water or? yeah oh, fantastic yeah, yeah absolutely beautiful and you've got again accommodation ranging from one or two like upmarket 
establishments, yep. more boutique style, like there's no large hotels, no high-rise. And then you've got down to, of course, self-contained accommodation, which is cheaper if you want to do your own thing. You do have two little general stores on the island, but of course everything does cost more because they've got to have it either shipped Shipped in or flown in. Okay, so you've got to remember that. So a lot of people may choose to stay at one of the establishments that include the meals, but if you don't and you stay at one of the others... That most of the resorts now, it's changed over the years. I've been going there for about 20 years, but they have a little bus now that if you want to dine out somewhere, they will drive. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Yeah, Excellent. because the main way you get around the island is push bike. Oh, right. So you get a push bike when you're there or you walk. Um, there's limited cars on the island, very limited. Um, all the people on there, living there, have to have been born there or they're related to someone that's there. You can't just go and live in Lord Howe Island. Oh, that's good. And the original Lord Howe Islanders were part of the people that came off the bounty and some of them went to Norfolk and some ended up on Lord Howe. Oh, right. So it's got a very interesting history yep. as well. Um, and the flora is just amazing as well. And there's these two mountains, Mount Lidgebird and Mount Gower, and you can climb them, but it's with chains towards the end, like it's a mean climb. Right. And they'll only do that with a guide. You okay, can only do yep. it with a guide and only under the you know, good prevailing weather conditions. Yep. Of course, it can get quite slippery. But there's fantastic fishing for any of the fishermen want to do there. They get the best kingfish. And if you stay at one of the resorts like um, Pine Trees, where we've stayed a few times, they'll have it fresh that day. Like you, you can't get anything fresher than that when the chef's just got it from the ocean and prepared it and you know, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. So it, it's a beautiful island. It's, it's only a couple of hours to get there because it's due east of Port Macquarie. Limited flights, obviously, as I've just mentioned. Yep. But if you've not been there or if you want to Google it and have a look, you'll just see how stunning the island is and how beautiful it is and how unspoiled it is, and they want to keep it that way. I'm liking the riding around aspect of it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you hire your bike. And yeah, and I did a cruise last time I went. I did a cruise around the island, which I've never done before. And to see it from the sea and go all the way around and do oh, a circumnavigation, yep. that was fantastic too. I thought, wow. My husband uh, went to do the mountain climb and I decided, no, that's not for me. <laughs> I'm not into steep mountain climbs, but anyway. Sounds like you got the better of the deal. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> so Lord Howe, as I said, put it on your bucket list um, and maybe... I'll, Leave this till next if you like, Greg, but we might talk a little bit about what the future of cruising may look like once we have cruise ships cruising out of our waters again. Excellent, excellent news. Now, Sally, before we get to your hot deals, you mentioned earlier about cruise ships and how they're changing. Yeah, I think it's wise to mention this now. And of course, again, we're saying how things will probably continue to change. But um, obviously, there's no real quick fix for this, but they're obviously going to do a, um, a process, the CLIA, which is the Cruise Lines International Association, said they know the industry needs to make some significant changes to move forward after COVID-19. Yep. Um, so what might the industry expect? Well, they're saying the um, this is a Professor Ross Dowling, who is the Honorary Professor of Tourism in the School of Business and Law in Western Australia's Edith Cowan University. He predicts that temperature checks will most likely be part of the new normal, both at embarkation and disembarkation, as well as daily for the crew during a cruise, okay, yep. um, and it's saying it's highly likely that the US Centre for Disease Control and Prevention's Vessel Sanitation Program will demand far more rigorous health and hygiene standards and practices, as well as cruise ships taking more responsibility for managing outbreaks on board. 
which obviously that goes without saying, doesn't it? Mm. Um, there's obviously going to be new disinfection protocols with cruise lines um, will immediately be stepping up their sanitation on board in response to COVID so that they will go through deep sanitation before and during and at the end of each cruise. And even cabins will be um, probably cleaned at least three times daily as well. And also they're saying there's going to be an emphasis, a more emphasis on touchless devices, uh, you know, to get you in and out of your cabins to check in, all that sort of thing. So there's not right keys out. and all that, yep. sort of, it's that sort of stuff. And also less contact, you know, that will mean for guests on board. Um, they're saying also that... Snorkel gear, for example, if you are going on a cruise where you're allowed to snorkel, then you would have that for the whole process. You wouldn't be handling your, handing your gear oh, so back you would in. Be handing back in, yep. Yep, so you would have that for the whole, throughout the whole um, voyage. Um, now, also, people do worry about medical certificates. They're saying that passengers over 70 now, they're thinking, would probably have to have some sort of a letter from their doctor confirming they were fit enough to travel, so it might limit taking a lot of elderly passengers yep. unless they can prove that they're actually up to it. Um, and then also, will the buffet be banished? banished? You know, everyone's talking about there'll be no buffets anymore, you know, even in RSLs or hotels or anything. So they're saying that on cruise ships, they don't think they're going to get rid of buffets, but there will be some changes made and it'll be re-engineered to ensure that there's a better contactless experience with more crew deployed to actually manage the traffic flow and they would serve the food out to yep. you would point to what you want and maybe yeah. not use the same plate for the for the whole day or oh, well, well who knows we'll have to wait and see so yeah look those are some of the things that are going to change but as I said I think capacity will change as well obviously if there's a swimming pool on board the vessel it's going to have to be probably closed at certain times and you know cleaned thoroughly yep. throughout the day but you know closer to time once we know we're cruising again we'll obviously get more updates and be able to let people know what's happening to keep them safe while no cruising. contact's going to be tough for some people though I know yeah. Especially if you're going on a cruise. Yeah. That's... Yeah, well, I think small ship cruises yeah. are going to do well out of this. I think now, you know, travelling on a ship with the least passengers is going to be a bonus. Well, some people might suggest that's nicer. It is. According to, according to Sally <laughs> Lucas, it is, but then that's just my opinion. <laughs> What are your hot deals for this week, Sally? We've got a few. I've got some Port Douglas little packages. Now, these are just land... Sorry, no, these are with air, these. Sorry, these ones are with air. This is with Qantas Air. And so you've got the Mantra Portsea, which is not far out of town. I've actually uh, stayed there. They've got return uh, Qantas flights and three uh, seven nights stay there from just $832 per person. So that's a nice little break away if you wanted to go up to Port Douglas. Again, you can uh, go to more up... up, I'll get my words out, more up market resorts if you wish. And they've also got uh, specials at the Siebel Palm Cove. But, yeah, so from around even one at the Mantra Amphora, another one which is at Palm Cove is from 807 per person. So you can still get reasonably priced packages yep. there. Now, with Norfolk and Lord Howe, um, they've both got packages coming on board Hopefully um, they'll be opening, as we said, soon. And they've got one that ends the 31st of July where they've got some great early bird deals, reduced deposits, less cancellation fees, of course, and more flexibility on being able to rebook to another date if you so desire, which I think you'll find nearly all wholesalers will be doing this now because they realise we've got an uncertain future ahead in the travel industry and they've obviously got to do everything to assist the travel agent, yep. the customer, the tour operator, the hotel, everyone you know, need, needs to be looked after and given that opportunity to still travel, but with flexibility. Um, so again, it doesn't hurt to get in early because 
like everywhere here, the ski resorts this season, like that, the website co- collapsed. We've got so many people wanting to go there. You've got limited capability. Yeah. So you'll find the same on a cruise ship or a hotel. They won't be taking as many guests. So it doesn't hurt to still start planning early. And then if you have to amend your dates, well, you, you can always amend them. Well, it's easy so, to amend, so. Yeah, well, as long well, as, you know, you don't want to do it at the last minute. Well, most no, people yeah. wouldn't anyway. You want to still have a plan in, in place. Like with us, with our Port Douglas holiday, for example, we'll hopefully get a credit because it's with Virgin and we don't know what's happening with the takeover of yep. Virgin yet, but hopefully that will happen. But our accommodation said we could use it again any time within 12 months. So, you know, we've tentatively put a date down for April next year instead of June this year, you know, after the wet season and go up there then. So I think you'll find there is reasonable flexibility with most. But you do need to just check that. Read your fine print these days as well. And obviously with insurance, once we know what's happening there, that no one's obviously going to cover you for any sort of pandemic or anything like that. And I think you just need to think very carefully once the world opens again as to which countries you'd visit with regard to the standard of their medical facilities. And if you really got ill, how expensive is it going to be for you to get yourself home? Okay, yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I was meant to go to a wedding in America this year, but uh, uh, I'm not going now. <laughs> no, well, our son's getting married in New Zealand next year, and we're even concerned that mightn't happen because we don't know when that bubble's going to open, and they can't no. make any plans because they don't know. Exactly, yeah. So there you go. Also, always best to plan ahead, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully I'll find lots more little lovely things to talk about in and around our region and the Pacific area for next week. Well, that's a lucky thing of Australia. Lots of great places around here. We are so blessed. Say, Lucas, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.